Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. everyone and welcome to another edition of gobbler country's talking turkey i'm your host brian manning and joining me as always is my co-host john schneider where we talk about the Hokies' 42 35 win of the louisville cardinals on saturday to improve to four and two on the season john how are you this evening it's been cold for those people who do not live in blacksburg we have been running 25 mile per hour to gusting to 45 mile per hour winds it never got over 38 degrees today which means the wind chill is brutal when i took the dogs out this morning the feels like thing on their bones said 19 yeah winter is here so yep, it's certainly here this week we get a happy monday meeting This went exactly the way we thought it would. Both of us said that this was going to be a fairly high-scoring game, and it was going to be the offense that was going to win this. And I only missed it by a point. I thought 42 to 34, and I'll be danged if I wasn't just one point off. I mean, I'm usually not that close. We knew from coming into this game, Louisville's offense was going to cause us problems. And things looked pretty different early in the game. Right before the game, Louisville was down several players due to COVID. I think they only had five defensive linemen active. So you were thinking, oh, this is going to be a maybe a cakewalk for our offense. And for the most part, our offense did well, especially in, in run blocking, more on that later. But we got out to a 21 nothing lead, and their defense was lights out on the first three series. And Hawkins, their terrific running back, was bottled up. I think he had negative three yards there for the first three drives. Of course, he went off there before the half. But on the day, I thought, I'll say the good parts about the defense first on the on the day. Hawkins had 129 yards rushing, which when you look at that, you're like, oh, they blew it again. They gave up a total of 198 yards, two touchdowns. It's important to note that 90 yards came on one run, but you can't just wipe that out because that was just a breakdown of epic proportions. Like 10 seconds left in the half, it was third and long. They're doing a give-up handoff to go into halftime, and your defense gives up a 90-yard touchdown run. Just any bad word you can think to describe that certainly applies. Yeah, number one, they sort of kind of, if you watch it, I still, like I said, I'm one of those people that says that if you signal off to the other side and to the referees and stuff, that you're basically going to not take a negative knee, but essentially just, you know, do a, a line dump dive and walk it in for the halftime and then you run a full speed play. Okay, that's bad on the defense. I never do that. But if you're signaling that on the offense to the other guys and then you pull that stunt, I'm one of those people that says that's kind of unsportsmanlike. It should be an unsportsmanlike conduct. It's like a quarterback pretending he's going to slide 
and then not sliding so that you give up on the tackle and then running off. There's just some things you don't do in football, and that's kind of one of the things that you really don't do. It ended up not hurting us in the end, but what made me frustrated was the fact that I'm one of those believers that you play every play. You know, you play every down 100% and let the chips fall where they may, and they just let up. That was just an embarrassing thing to have happen. I mean, the long bomb was a long bomb, and that happens in the, you know, broken coverage and a free receiver, and they were, you know, a good quarterback and a good receiver. That stuff happens, and you just put that in the bank and you move on. But that run, that's one of those ones where guys are going to be running laps and flipping tires for me. Yeah, it was really bad because we, it had really killed the momentum we built. They had scored a touchdown and make it 21-7, but we felt pretty good going into the half up 21-7. When they had that, we hit that long run at the end of the half, you just felt, oh boy, this is going down to the wire. It's just not good. And we're going to have to score every time we touch the ball. And that's kind of what we did. There were a couple series there in the second half where the offense stalled a little bit, but Hendon just... PFF rated him tie for fourth. I mean, they they rated Louisville's quarterback two or whatever. He did. He was really good. you got to hand it to the kid. He's a good quarterback. We said that before the game started. We warned everybody, this kid's no joke. He's a good quarterback. Cunningham is a really good quarterback, but it kind of shows you that those PFF ratings are sometimes more than just what you see. I mean, because there's no way Cunningham was better than Hooker on Saturday. I mean, he had a lot more pass attempts, and maybe that played into the mix. But he I also, think it was that long bomb. I just think it's the long bomb. He had a lot of open. He had a lot of open receivers he was throwing to there in the second half, yeah. where where Hendon was. That ball handed through to Tavion Robinson there. It was a 42 yard gain when the offense had stalled a little bit. He had a huge play, and that was a beautiful throw right on the money. And then yeah. off, they had backed themselves up on a holding penalty, and Hendon went and got 17 or 18 yards on the next play to just basically bail out the offensive line and just a lot more, a lot of flags again. I thought officials were a little bit flag happy again, and for the second straight week, I mean, on both sides, it wasn't on just. Like I said, when officials are flag happy and you're the one struggling, you're the one that gets hit the hardest by the flags. There was a ton of holding on the interior line going on on their side that was being completely ignored. I mean, there were some literal tackles right in front of the the umpire and right in front of the umpire or right in front of the referee as the perspective goes, and they weren't calling them. And okay, I understand that holding on passing plays is becoming a passe call to protect quarterbacks. But still, if you got the rule, you got the rule, you should be enforcing it. But yeah, we got away with a couple of really close coverages. So for the most part, it was just a very poorly called game again. So defense, just so everybody knows, the defense was not in the shape that we wanted it to be. Not only did we had a few people back, but remember, they're going to be rusty. We were missing linemen, and we actually ended up having to have Taiwan Garbett go in to relieve the linemen. I have a list, and we had in the, as far as the stats, besides Justice Reed, who had two sacks, and that was about it, really, because that was not his job, is containing the quarterback, not really tackling runners. Well, Justice uh, Reed, he hit those two sacks there in the first yeah, two drives. Yeah, yeah, beautiful sacks. Then he, and then, then he, he disappeared. Then nothing. NC State game, I mean, he was, he was very good the entire game that week, but ever since that time, He's kind of been largely ineffective throughout the previous weeks until this week. And basically, I thought Belmar missed the game Saturday. I don't really know why he missed the game exactly, but Belmar missed the game. Belmar's actually been our most consistent defensive end this year. 
Yeah, missing Belmar really hurt. Barno got one tackle and one assist, which we, you would have hoped that it would have been a little bit better. But one of them was the half was a TFL, which, you know, is important. But you had Josh Fuga played and ended up with a TFL. And he was actually really good. He's one of our newer defensive linemen and one of our actual real defensive linemen size-wise. But, you know, it takes a while to work into that. And he actually had a part in the game and had to play. You had Zion DeBose was playing, which, you know, you haven't seen him on the field very much at all this year. If you look at all the people that made tackles in the game, there are a lot of people there that, you know, and again, Dorian Strong, who's still young. We only had one cornerback listed, and that's Armani Chapman. Everybody else is a safety. So this defense is still struggling with some of the stuff. Now, Chamari Connor, who also got a mention as ACC defensive back of the week, had nine total tackles, eight solo and one assist. And Alan Tisdale also got nine total tackles. Yeah, I want to touch on Tisdale because I know that throughout the game, he was by far the best player on our team that day. He was outstanding. He was in the backfield several times. He tackled well. He took on blockers. I mean, he had the best game of his career. If that kid continues to put on a little bit more weight to go with his size and athleticism he's an NFL player for sure and the the defense I'm not knocking on Dax because I'm a huge Dax fan and but I love to see Dax on the sideline rallying the troops knowing he's probably down on himself a little bit for not starting and he's just cheering the guys on and it's good to see that he's an ultimate teammate but Tisdale should be out there over Dax at the outside spot and I don't think there's any argument on that I would like to see them switching Ashby and Dax a little bit more I think Ashby is still suffering the effects of some of that getting COVID this summer and I really think that it would be helpful if they would rotate them a little bit and let Dax go in and play Mike because like we've said before Dax is a Mike the coaching staff just feels a little too loyal to some guys sometimes and I think we saw it with Dax where they maybe hung with him a little more instead of giving Tisdale an opportunity sooner but I think I agree with you I think there needs to be a time where let's incorporate Dax into the mix at Mike and see what he can do just to mix things up a little bit because this defense is not very good right now and I've heard it described as terrible, awful, you know, all the pejoratives. Me, I think it's par. It's just barely able to hold its own, and most of it's because of personnel. We're missing, still missing too many practiced guys. I think if we had a full roster, I think the the thing that hurt us worse would be Farley, obviously, because one thing we sorely lack in the secondary is speed. I mean, when you see their receivers or Going downfield, we, our safeties can't keep up. Our corners, I'm not going to call them slow because they're not slow, but they're not fast either. We were used to having faster corners. Farley was a fast guy, and we missed that speed back there. Farley was more than just speed, obviously. He's a tremendous player overall, but we are slow in the secondary, and it's killing us on some of these deep passes. And you see it sometimes, as great as a player as Diablo is, Diablo gets turned around, and he can't make up the time with the speed. He's not, not a very fast guy, but he's a really good player and the Hokies have to. He's the most important player on the defense. Well, face it, Diablo plays the third linebacker. I'm almost of the mind to say somebody at the tier link level needs to say, okay, enough of this nonsense, no more 4-2. We're actually going with the traditional 4-3, playing two outside linebackers. I'm putting up a will and a, a formal OLB, and the formal OLB I'm putting up is going to be divine. He's just too good to not have on the field. 
but he's not fast enough to be anything but a strong safety, and he's a too big a strong safety. So he's more of an outside linebacker, and I'd really like to use to see them use him that way. But, hey, look, you know, as we get to close this out, what's really important going down is we've got a game this week with Liberty. Liberty's ranked. <laughs> Who would ever have thought that? Liberty's coming <laughs> to Blacksburg ranked. And, okay, I think it was a gratis rank because Liberty really hasn't played too many people. The early odds are we're a 15-point favorite as they come in. I don't know about that. Liberty's better than that. Hugh Freeze is a better coach than that. So, I think that the offense is getting its act together. I still think we've got serious play calling problems from the booth. And that I don't think is going to get solved this season. We're just going to have to live with it. And the defense, the defense is just going to have to get better. They're just, it's going to take time. New guys coming in because we have all these junior kids coming up and filling in. We still don't have Waller on the field. We still don't have J.R. Walker on the field. Those were our other two cornerbacks. So we only have one cornerback and a whole bunch of safeties it's going to be loose zone and it's going to be an issue. So, yeah, this weekend is going to be interesting because Liberty is a good team. Like John said, they've not really played anybody per se. They did put a whooping on Syracuse, which Syracuse is not good, but considering Liberty, the program, the size of Liberty going into the carrier dome and whipping Syracuse the way they did. I mean, that's impressive because they, they are a good team. They, they score a lot of points. Hugh Freeze is a great offensive coach, and he's a great recruiter. He may be a little bit of a slimy human being, but he is. He won't be at Liberty long because another big-time school gave him a shot. But this will be an interesting game on Saturday, and we'll, we'll cover that more in depth later in the week. Yeah, so without further ado then, smile. We got a W. It was the W that Gobbler Country told you it was going to be. So everybody breathe, and let's end this little show with what we always end it with. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.